his memory to return and all of his powers. Balrog has many powers. Balrog has many, many powers. <laughs> it's like saying Balrog. It's from South Park, so I can't even really take credit from it. But. Uh, hello, legions. Welcome, welcome once again to a very special edition of the What You've Been Watching podcast. I am your host, the merry, marvelous Mike Dudley. Joined, as always, by my co-host, cohort, and chuckle buddy. <laughs> fucking clown shoes over here. <laughs> MD3 Marcus Dudley checking in on the YOU. What is going on out there in podcast land? We are broadcasting live from the South Pole side oh. of Tallahassee, Florida. <laughs> did you forget where we were? I did. I did. <laughs> I was trying to, because we're not welcome on the North Pole. We've been on the naughty list for too long. That's right. So no, we're just said, fuck that. Yeah. We're gonna do our own poll yeah. with blackjack and hookers. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Good Futurama reference there. Good poll. Good poll. Uh, but yeah, no, we're broadcasting live as always, right here in the What You've Been Watching studios. Uh, just checking in on you. We want to give a big shout out to our lovely, lovely intro music, Kesta. Always, always bright. Right. Yep. Or just in case we don't use that music, to our lovely, lovely brand new sponsor, Mister A One. Just because we gotta give our shout out to our boy. You can find him at A1musiclive.com. <laughs> you can find him at A1reality.music at gmail.com. Again, that's A1reality.music at gmail.com. Where else can they find us, my brother? It's spelled like realty, but it's spelled reality. Yeah. R E A L I T Y. Wasn't that a T I song? Uh, probably. <laughs> They can find us also on Facebook.com slash Dudley Bros Podcast. Or, you know, we're out here handing out Christmas turkeys like Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah, or uh, we're done with hams. It's, it's now <laughs> Christmas turkey season. That's right. So, yeah, man. So, uh, what's up with you, my brother? How you been? Working, 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 man. It's, it's, it's always been, you know, holiday season, especially in the restaurant industry or, or service industry, is always super busy because... You know, you do caterings, you do holiday parties, you do uh, last minute or last end of the year uh, weddings, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, people who are like, no, we've got to get married before January 1st. And the dude's like, all right, cool. Yeah. Because trust me, dudes, it's it's not for you that day. Yeah. <laughs> just, just yield. Just, Acquiesced. Yeah. Just show not, up not on about time. You. Show not up about on time. You. As sober as possible. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, you know, sober-ish, you know. Yep. And preferably not with, like, stripper dust on you, because right. that's how they get you. <laughs> they sprinkle dust on that's you. <laughs> I'm going to fuck his whole day Leave up a tomorrow. mark on this one, yeah. <laughs> no, man, it is weird kind of the holiday sometimes. I get a little overwhelmed because it's just like, let's stress just to have a good time. And yep. they're like, man, let's just not do that at all. Yeah. Let's do as little as possible. Yep. So yep. hopefully everybody got themselves a fucking dope-ass loot bag. That's why I didn't get you motherfuckers shit this year, because I'm trying to live stress-free. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Same thing we got you last year. Right. I'm here. That's why it's called my presence. A free audio podcast. <laughs> Tears coming soon. Throw us some shekels. You don't get any benefits, but we'll take the money. <laughs> Sign up now for our Patreon. It's yeah. expensive. Yeah. <laughs> what are the perks? I don't know. I don't know. To be determined. Oh, we keep the lights on here as we record. <laughs> So computers can charge and mics can have power. That's what it is. Oh, man. We don't have to build a water wheel to generate power to bring you guys our gloriousness every other week. I know, right? 
Oh man, well speaking I of I eat dog food. I sleep on pissy mattress. <laughs> That's my favorite Chappelle one of my favorite Chappelle jokes is you know what dog food tastes like? Just like it smells. Delicious. <laughs> and also I eat cottage cheese for dinner. It's a good one. Good one. Underrated joke. But the reason why people tune in is to not to hear us just randomly reference shit. That might be it. But uh, one of the biggest reasons, I would say the largest piece of the proverbial pie, is Michael, the people want to know what you've been watching, my brother. Oh, man. Recently rewatched, and I know we kind of talked about it a little bit, so I don't want to get too much into it, but uh, rewatched The Nightmare Before Christmas, of course. Always because, a classic. Yeah, I mean, you got to watch it once in, at Halloween and once at Christmas. Them's the rules. I don't make it. I almost saw that in theaters the other day, too. Did you? Yeah, yeah, I did. I was between that and a, and a different movie, but yeah. Okay. Anyways, yeah, go ahead, though. Go ahead. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, what more can be said about it? It's probably Tim, one of Tim Burton's best movies. I mean, it's a classic the songs are very singable. It's barely 90 minutes, so you're in and out. I think it's just shy of 90 minutes. Yeah, it's, I think it is, too. I think we talked about it on a previous podcast, but yeah, you can go back yeah. to listen to that one uh, for all the statistical information that's probably wrong about Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> yeah. It's, the good thing about that movie is, for better or worse, it doesn't waste any more time with plot development or characterization than it needs to. Like, you kind of understand within the first three minutes, like... You know, you got the intro song of like Halloween Town, and every day here is just Halloween, and this is where all the spooky creatures live. And then immediately you go into Jack's like, I don't know, maybe there's something more out there. Whoops, tumble into Christmas Town, and then you know what's this, and just the wonderment, and then trying to bring it back to. I mean, it just the movie cooks. It just it moves at a very brisk pace. Usually, you know, each sequence of events is just predicated by a song you know it's just like the whatever the song is is about is like that's going to be what the next six to eight minutes is going to of the movie is going to be about yeah i think the what is this song Mm -hmm. is probably the strongest song on there it's a good one i mean this is halloween is a pretty much a banger i mean that's a pretty the pumpkin screams in the middle of the night <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. I don't know the what is, the the breath cadence on that that Jack Skellington does. Is That's why impressive. Danny Elfman wanted to uh, sing uh, for Jack Skellington because he was very like he had written it very much in his own voice in his own sort of. Uh, oh, he sings. Yes, he, mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, that. Yeah, 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 Danny yeah. Elfman does. Yes. Huh. Yeah. Learn something new today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's why he sings. Uh, 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 for Jack Skellington is because it's it, he kind of felt like well I'm kind of the only person who gets, I can trust to do this so. gets the full cadence of it all right, knows the switch right, knows right. when the timing exactly are. Yeah. exactly just because it's inherently built into the person that wrote it so. huh it's um, pretty interesting I didn't know that yeah. and then Catherine O'Hara and uh, Paul Rubens were uh, uh, lock shock and barrel yes so yes. R.I.P. Paul Rubens R.I.P. miss you already yeah, already. Raise your glass, whatever you got in front of you. Here's right. some some drinks sloshing that's over right. here at Watchmen. Pouring one out for Pee Wee himself. Mm. That's right. That's right, kids. Secret word of the day is <laughs> winos. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, what else have been watching, my guy? Uh, let's see. Kind of went back on a uh, on a killer movie kick, just because why not? It was it was fun. Uh, so, well, it kind of all bleeds in from Halloween into here. Yeah, it's funny how you that know happens. what I mean. It's just because it's all just kind of it's all one one kind of thing. Right, right when Halloween kicks off, it's like you know what time it is. These right. these movies play for a little while, so <laughs> you get a solid month of pretty much free reign. And so, plus, yeah. now there's there's a 
a scary movie about every holiday too as well. Oh, there is. Like, for sure. I think I think the movie Thanksgiving just came out and some right, like yeah. demon pilgrim yeah, yeah, is yeah. running around killing people. Thanks like, carving or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's whatever. So they all run together. But anyways, go ahead. Yeah, so I mean, we kind of mentioned how uh uh, Night Before Christmas doesn't really waste a lot of time with plot development or characterization. It just sort of gets right into the action. Uh-huh. Saw another movie that was very much like that, and yet very different than that. Okay, explain. You ever heard of a movie called Chopping Mall? Uh, with a C-H? With a C-H. No, as in... I, no I have not, but I'm sure I probably could have figured out that it existed. I'm sure it's a campy B-movie that was seen on Bad Movie Night. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like uh, RoboCop 2 meets like Mallrats. Wait, what? Yeah. So... Why is, I love when things that have no business being mentioned in the same sentence are mentioned in the same sentence. So, uh, this group of kids who work at a mall decide that they're going to have an overnight uh, sex party, sex and beer party, as one does in a mall yeah. sometimes. Uh, I remember my first sex and beer party at a mall. At a mall, yeah. Uh, and so, it happens to coincide with the exact same night that these new robotic sentries are going to take over for security for the mall. And as luck would have it, they end up getting struck by lightning. And as they do, they turn evil and decide that everyone inside the mall is an intruder and therefore must be dispatched of in very uh, creative ways. You have 30 seconds to comply. Shit like that? Kind of, kind of. Uh, their, their whole thing is show me your ID badge. And of course, like, these kids are running around like, fucking badge. Like, whatever. Like, who cares? Like, no, I'm naked right now. Right, like, right. They I'm don't very, have a badge. I'm very, I'm very clearly wearing a negligee and a, and a silk robe. So I don't know where you think this pass is. but uh, uh, And so, of course, they all must die because of this. And uh, I, I they, assume that the main character's probably a prude. Who didn't want to have sex? The the young lady probably. It's almost as if you've seen this before. I'm just guessing the story beats because yeah, you know yeah, yeah. these tropes exist for a reason. Yeah, of course. It's uh, you know you get the dumb jock who's dating the like hypersexualized bimbo. You get the you know the smart one who's you know she's so smart and he's also kind of smart. Michael like... put smart one in quotation. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all couldn't see that. That was crazy. Like the quote unquote smart one. Yeah. Then you get the couple that's, you know, always fighting. Like they're either fucking or fighting kind of thing. Yeah. The, yeah. And then, uh, then you get the two nerds who get put together, uh, at the behest of like, Oh, don't worry. We'll set you up with somebody there. You can totally attend our sex and beer party. So I was invited to more mall sex and beer parties. <laughs> sentient robots not, took over. <laughs> you were just more popular. Enough. I guess I wasn't. If there's was a way to go out. That's on the list. Sex and beer party? Yeah, killed by mall robots. I mean, in terms of badassery, like... <laughs> Why would they need that at a mall? Like, what is the crime rate spiked so <laughs> high at the mall? I made like, that you... comment. I was like, so you're telling me this is the most advanced, militarized, or, or like weaponized robotic system in the world. And they're like, you know what? The new Jordan Air 1s just came out. We really got to protect those. <laughs> like Black Friday. <laughs> <laughs> these these are the robot cops that didn't actually go to the academy. They just come take the, <laughs> the six week course or whatever it is. <laughs> it's not as much RoboCop and as much as it is like Paul Paul Blart cop. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> or Robo Blart. <laughs> nice, nice. So that's a movie I'd see. Uh, so what else? Uh, hit me with some more story beats. Were the kills good? At least. 
I mean, were they creative? good, good, def- define good. When you when you say good, like, I don't mean like murdering's awesome, but you know how it is when you see those movies. It, I assume it was pretty campy, right? Oh yes, yeah, okay. yeah. But um, so you kind of know what you're signing up for. You're like, I mean, it's a girl's be head explodes. A, a girl's head explodes from getting shot with a laser. So that's pretty there's cool. That, yeah. Was it like well done or was it purposely shitty? It was actually pretty well done. I mean, like, if you slow it down, you can definitely see the, like, rubber head of it all. But, like, hey, the, the, the actual cut from when they she turns and a, you, you see her face to, like, the actual explosion. Yeah, it's not bad. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's Lloyd it's uh, Lloyd Kaufman, so it's the same guy that did Toxic Avenger and all those B-campy movies. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Um, so, I mean, the guy knows what he's doing, you know. We were, we were speculating, like... Why do you think he got this movie made? And he was like, I was like, well, because there's a mall in 1984 that's about to get renovated. And he was like, hey, for a hundred bucks, when you guys shut it down over the long weekend, let me just make a movie in there. And they were like, cool. Yeah. I mean, probably. <laughs> Locale. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's all it takes to make a movie, baby. Location, location, location. Like, I'm going to shoot something real terrible and it's going to put that up there. <laughs> Like, we're shutting down this RV park. <laughs> what if it was a killer RV park? <laughs> you have till 8 o'clock Sunday. Thank you. Hey, look. I mean, everybody starts somewhere. Patent pending, by the way. Don't be stealing my killer right. RV park. Right. Stop giving away the good shit. I know, right? I know, right? <laughs> well, uh, do you want to rate it or you want to talk about it more? Obviously, I did not see it, but... No, no, no. I mean, it's 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 your typical, you know, the teenagers getting picked off. Although, I don't know if they're teenagers because everybody who <laughs> like plays... 40? Yeah, they're very clearly, like, in their 30s. Like, <laughs> I love but I don't know. It might have just been... It was made in 1984, so it might have just been the 80s. Yeah. Where, like, everybody looked like they were 40 and... I mean, those kids could have been very underage for all I know. I don't know. I might have just witnessed a crime. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the lack of HD camera really cuts into it. <laughs> exactly. Like, so, uh, yeah. I'm going to give it three full floors worth of mall protection. Pretty good. Pretty favorable review there. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. I assumed you watched it with the uh, typical D&D crowd. Oh, yeah, yeah. Our shitty movie night crowd. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I have to argue sometimes that sometimes those movies aren't shitty, but I understand the spirit they're of it. They're not. They're awesome. That's the yeah. thing. Like, And we don't set out to just watch them because they're purposely bad. We watch them. Sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, like, yes, there is a, a, cer- a certain, like morbid curiosity in terms of like, well, how bad could this one be? Like, oh, it's really bad. Well, but it can't get worse, right? And we're like... Yeah, it gets worse. Like, <laughs> Marcus, we should get off the boat. Nah, I can't get no, much worse than this. No, it's not going to get worse. It does. It, it, it always it gets... Always does. It always If you're ever in a situation where your boat is leaking and you need to get off the boat... Just bail. Just bail. Just get off the boat. Just bail. It's not... Don't fall under the trap of, it can't get worse. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. The water's not going to get warmer. <laughs> the conversation's not going to get better. But you're there. But there you are. Yep. Regretting yeah. all of your decisions. Anyway, yeah, anyways, anyways, what else been watching, my brother? Let's see. After that, we followed up with um, another classic, Maniac Cop. Is that Rowdy Roddy Piper? No, that's the Maniac. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I feel like I've I've either seen this or heard of this before. So it's uh, starring Bruce Campbell. Okay. Okay. Yep. Uh, and uh, uh, okay. and the maniac, the titular maniac cop, played by Robert Zadar. You know the the big the you've seen him before. It's the dude with the huge like M Bison chin from the eighties. Yeah, movies. I got that action figure chin half in it. I, I yeah, mean, yeah. Serious action figure chin. Like, what's up with his chin? Kind of chin. <laughs> 
Uh, shout out to Robert Zadar. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so basically, uh, some cop is killing random citizens around New York City, and uh, Bruce Campbell gets framed for it, and so then his mistress, girlfriend, cop, and his boss all try to scramble to prove that it's not him, which is a weird thing for cops to do. Go figure. <laughs> Just get suspended with pay for a little while. Yeah, you know. It's too much of a fucking harsh we're, punishment for him. We're transferring you to Brooklyn. <laughs> Nobody saw a thing. <laughs> is he part Catholic Church? Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, the parallels are similar. Only but funny because it's shockingly true. Uh, Anyways, I mean, you know, I'm just saying one of them's a criminal organization and the other one uh, owns the Vatican. So, <laughs> anyways, go ahead. Uh, I'd love somebody to write us in. How dare you make a joke about something that's categorically true, historically proven? Yeah. <laughs> anyways, go ahead. And please write us in at whatcha-been-watching-podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. We always appreciate it, truly. Truly. We really do yearn for your letters and feedback. So, yeah. anyways, Maniac Cop. Uh, yeah, and so... Bruce you know, Campbell must prove he's not framed. Exactly, exactly. Or he was framed, sorry. Yes, wait. Yeah. Bruce Campbell must prove he was framed. He he must disprove his innocence. Yeah. That's the most challenging <laughs> shit to do is disprove you didn't do something. Right. It's like fucking fighting a ghost. <laughs> like, I think, I don't know, maybe I'm winning, I don't know, man. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. I've, I've sidetracked this conversation. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 pretty cheesy, and and I think in in a weird way, like it's it's it was the exact same length as Chopping Mall. I think both of them just clocked in at like ninety five minutes. Nice. And yet somehow this one felt slower. I think maybe because it was a police procedural and there's a little bit more like detective work and like, well, I got to go talk to this lady who's going to, you know, it's the, the law and order of it all. Like, right. well, I got to go talk to the junkie who's going to lead me to the landlord who's going to lead me to the ex-tenant who's going to lead me to the guy I really want, you know. like Yeah, I get it. That's usually the formula. So, but I... I I felt like it was really bookended by by great like there was great kills in the beginning and great kills at the end and then in the middle it was just sort of one big law and order episode which is fine but it really really slowed down the pacing of the movie a lot. A yeah, you're lot, like that's not why I'm seeing this. Right. Like you you got to have that spite that that little spice in the middle of the of the police procedural where like even if it's just a random kill, you know, like you got to have the spoiler Robert Zadar is a cop who was put in prison for uh, abuse of power and instead of going to uh, protective services he wanted gen pop to show that he wasn't afraid and then they killed his ass but not really because he actually woke up in the uh, morgue and the mortician took pity on him and shipped him out with his cop girlfriend oh wow and so he's spent the last 15 years plotting his revenge against the police department yeah yeah. Oh, nice. It's kind of fan of the opera meets like RoboCop. <laughs> Does he have RoboCop powers too? <laughs> he does. I mean, he is zombie strength. I mean. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, so he's RoboCop. Plus, plus Robert. Yeah, he is RoboCop. RoboCop yeah, must it. come back from the other. That's right. From the other side. Yeah. That's but right. his body has already been inhabited by the police doing technological advancements that no one else knows about. I would. But his spirit already has crossed over from the crow, so he wakes up and he's like, now I got crow powers and I got a sweet robot body. So our buddy Glenn, and sorry Glenn, I'm just going to give away a million dollar idea, but I'm giving you credit, has this idea for a movie about 
a, a ghost that's trapped in this ethereal realm, right? And then zombies happen, and so he has to fight his own zombie body. <laughs> that's a brilliant fucking idea. And it's just called Ghost versus Zombie. It's fucking brilliant. Right? It's actually really good. It kind of writes itself, yeah. right? Don't steal our shit, by the way. I already had an instance of somebody <laughs> jacking a good idea from me right. and making money on it. It's kind of like Ghost, but like also meets 28 Days Later. That's a fucking brilliant idea. Don't give away any more trade Because <laughs> the movie, yeah. Anyways, Glenn's going to be mad, but we can cut it. <laughs> I might. I'll talk to him. Anyway. Anyways. Uh, yeah, so, God, what else can I say about... Uh, Maniac Cop. Slows yeah. down a little bit. Kind of slowed down a little bit. But, again, it's it's 95 minutes, so... Bruce Campbell is the own. king of camp. And he is. He's he's like, amazing. Unquestionably. This. I will say there's this weird, like, I'm not sure who the protagonist is. Because at first it looks like it's going to be about Bruce Campbell's boss. And then they in- introduce Bruce Campbell as this, like, he's having an affair with his fellow cop lady. And then his wife goes crazy and gets murdered by someone we don't know and then he gets framed for it and so like he's not a sympathetic character and then we're trying to catch up and be like oh wait but he is a good guy they just kind of shoehorn in like hey you're supposed to care about this guy now yeah but then also it's also about his cop girlfriend who's trying to like like the story follows her and so like it's three protagonists and you're never really sure which one is like okay who am I paying attention to who's who's the like who who's the main character here <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like a lot to shoehorn into ninety minutes. Yeah, it it was, it was a lot. It but was hey. a lot. Of the two, I would highly recommend Shopping Mall over okay. uh, over Maniac Cop, but just barely, just yeah. barely. Yeah, just because in Shopping Mall, at least you get some boobies. So you know that is a plus. That is a plus. I mean, I'm a fan of nipples. www.dudeboob.com. Anyways, what would you rate it? Let's see. I'm going to give it uh, three much campier sequels. Oh, it has three sequels? Oh, yes, sir. Oh, that's a real thing. Oh, oh. He gets, like, Jason from Hell powers. He gets, like, psychotropic witch powers. Same dude? Oh, yeah. Robert Zadar. Nice work. Yeah, that's that's way more That's my how idea. you establish a franchise. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we call that job security. That's right. That's right. Will you do number two through six? Yes, yes I, I will. will. <laughs> yes, I will. I'd like a writing credit on number four through six, please. Yeah, it's like fucking Iron Eagle. That one dude is just like, how many you keep making? I'm going to keep being... Was that Lou Gossett Jr.? I think so. Yeah, it was Lou Gossett Jr. <laughs> yeah. He's like, as many as you keep making... Sesame Street ain't paying what it used to. Right, right. <laughs> Fucking Iron Eagles all the way. Damn right. <laughs> like, we have to kill you off now. We've been in nine of these. We have to. Yeah, how many times is the shamed pilot going to go back for more action? <laughs> it's like Death Wish 3 by the time, or yeah, by the time, uh, what's his name? Charlie Bronson. Yeah, Charles Bronson. It just becomes him. He is definitely, if you zoom out on, on Death Wish 3, he is the bad guy in the oh movie. Yeah. He gets a chain gun and just murders <laughs> dozens of people. It's like, oh, it's it's fucking vigilante justice. Like, nah, bro, this is just straight murder at this point. Dude, Death Wish 3 is my favorite Punisher movie. <laughs> it really is. It's, it gets out of hand. You're like, I'm supposed to be rooting for this dude? He's causing chaos in these streets, man. He's literally putting, like... 
huge caliber rounds into like yeah. random apartment buildings. Yeah. Like, there's no way all of those bullets are hitting his intended target. The collateral damage was <laughs> far worse than any damage caused initially by the bad guys. I'd rather just have the drive-by. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that was wrapped up a week ago. Damn. At least they're over and done. Right. You know they're going to circle back once and then you're done. That's it. It's a wrap. Well, what else you been watching, my guy? Oh, man. Rewatched a classic 1990... I want to say it's 97, maybe 1998. Directed by Peter Jackson. Who also directed Canadian Bacon? <laughs> Who also, yes. <laughs> And oh, also, so, I was so wrong on that. I knew it was Michael Moore, but I was like, it was fucking Peter Jackson. I remember that shit. Listen, I know he's fat and sloppy. That's all I know. <laughs> Burn it down. Burn it all down. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So you watched Peter Jackson's Canadian Bacon. That's right. And The Frighteners. That's right. Uh, yeah, he also directed uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. You might have heard of it. You might have. Won a bunch of awards. Yeah, whatever. whatever. I've never seen it. <laughs> Anyways, the Frighteners. the Frighteners. The Frighteners. Starring Michael J. Fox. Yes. Yeah. And uh, not Gary Busey, but his son. Jake Busey. Jake Busey, yeah. yes. Yes, sir. Yes. I was going to say Carrie Busey, but I knew that wasn't right. That was, that was, I don't know who that is, Cat. <laughs> the wife of Gary Busey. <laughs> Carrie Busey. I'm Gary Busey. This is my wife, Carrie. <laughs> Carrie Busey. This is our dog, Jerry Busey. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Apples don't fall too far from the tree. <laughs> Anyways, Jake Busey, uh, Michael J. Fox, The Frighteners. What you think yeah. about it, man? Break it down. I saw that movie with my friend Jonathan on video uh-huh, for a yeah. Halloween party years ago. That was one of those classic VHS tapes that you you saw the movie completely based on the box. I mean, literally, you'd be walk, walking in like you know movie gallery or if you were had money like that blockbuster. Yo, I was talking about that today. But I think I know where you're going, but go ahead. But like. You would just be walking through just, and, and you know, like a lot of movies back in the day, especially in the VHS era, were sold on like the visual, you know, aspects of the film. And certain, and, and I mean like, like not even the visual aspects, like the cinematography. The box art. Like the box art. Yeah. yeah. Like it was just meant to catch your eye and, and is, is, if they could make you pull the, the movie off the shelf and, and look at it, there was. At least read the back. At least read the back. You were so much more likely to take that movie home, you know? So, and this box was literally just a white box with the big, like, uh, 3D puff uh, 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 image of, of, like, a skull coming out of just a white, like, it almost looked like a linen sheet. Yeah, I was about to say, it looked like somebody poking through a blanket with a skull. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then it had just written in, like, neon green and black, the Frighteners. Yeah. And that was all, it, that was the, the, no, like, no distribution company, no starring, no, like... Yeah. None of that stuff. It was just a plain black box with a scary-ass image coming out of it. In 3D, no less. And yeah. you're like, what the fuck movie is this? Yeah. No, I, I have a different take on it for that reason. But go ahead. I want to okay. hear your part first. But yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, long story short, Michael J. Fox is a sort of a paranormal uh, huckster. Although he really can see ghosts. He just travels with these two ghosts who go town to town and, like... They'll invade a house. Somebody will read an ad in the paper and go, you know, Frank Bannerman, psychic, you know, entity removal, whatever, yada, yada, yada. Call him. He comes up, does his whole, you know, shucking and jiving and like, oh, this is the worst, worst uh, residual entity, you know, I've ever seen. And this his is, two you know, ghost buddies are causing trouble in the exactly, background. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, just harmless shit. Shaking the bed, throwing cups around, like not hurting anybody, but just, you know, 
basic ghost shit. You know, silly ghost shit. <laughs> if you're a ghost and that was what you were relegated to, <laughs> it'll shake these cups around. Ooh, I'd be like, man, fuck you. So, so anyway, he stumbles into a town where there actually is uh, murders happening. And he, long story short, can see uh, this ghost is going around and squeezing people's heart and basically just crushing their, their, their rib cage. And before he strikes, he's writing a number on their forehead, you know, 31, 32, 33, 34, whatever. And he's the only one that can see it. So now he has to prove that he's not just a huckster, but like also the town's in danger. And there really is a psychic calamity out there that's causing these murders and not some like physical being. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'll tell you this much. Because, and this is, we'll, we'll talk about it again later, but because the box art was one way, and I remember reading the back of it, mm-hmm. and I had heard, like, oh, that movie's scary. I was pretty young when it came out. Like, I, did, I was born in 86. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you do the math. I couldn't have been, well, no more than 12, depending on, even if we say it came out in 98. Sure. You know, so um, that's starting to get, but I think it came out a little bit before that. Either way. But not yeah, not maybe, even a, maybe 96, 97. Right. Not even that. a teenager yet. Um, And I remember thinking like, oh, I'm going to rent this and it's going to be super scary and I'm going to appreciate that. And it was so fucking goofy. Remember when you could be 11 years old and just check out R-rated movies from Blockbuster? (laughs) They just didn't even care. (laughs) Yeah, no, they, yeah, they pretended to, but, but no, I was going to say, um, I was just disappointed because it ended up being so fucking goofy and I didn't realize that it was like a horror comedy Mm -hmm. and it, the box art. Didn't really explain that, nor did the description on the back. And like what little bit I had heard about it, I was like, oh yeah, like this must be good. I know a couple of my other friends have talked about it. And then I saw it and I was like, man. Okay. Like, and it wasn't, here's the thing, is if, it's like if you go to drink water and you, ex, and you actually end up drinking Sprite, you may spit it out. Not because you dislike Sprite, but you're expecting water. Sure. You know sure, what I'm saying? Right, right, like, right. And, it's, that, and that's more what it was. It's like if you grab... Like you put that in alcoholic terms so I can understand. Yeah, yeah, it's it's whatever it is. You grab water and it ends up being vodka. Oh, okay. You yeah. like vodka, but right, it's like, right. oh shit, I wasn't expecting vodka, and that's kind of what it was for me. And so it kind of dampered every time I've seen that movie since then. It's okay. just kind of like, and I can appreciate it now. But I remember being, we were talking recently on a podcast about like what movies disappointed you. Mm-hmm. That one wasn't that big because my expectation wasn't that big for it. But it was like I felt like I was sold a. Thing of false goods, <laughs> and not only from the box art, but from the buzz around the movie. And so I remember, like, I didn't realize it was Wait so. A minute. This isn't Miracle Tonic. This <laughs> is piss and ink. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. It's a Sweeney Todd reference. I like. Wait, let me, let me get another sip. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> but I remember they had um, uh, Jake Busey, and they were like, "What are those doors? The revolving doors mm-hmm. in hotels?" Mm-hmm. And I remember they were spinning it really fast, and it became like all cartoony. And they did like the whoop 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 whoop. Like yeah, background yeah, yeah. His noise? ghost buddies were trying to trap gays, or, or prevent Jake Busey ghost from attacking Michael J. Fox. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I remember like they were spinning the door or whatever, and it was like, did the cartoon like Three Stooges noise? And I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This you almost is... expect the like slide whistle, like, yeah. I was like, the fuck did I just watch? So that, my first reaction to that movie was not what I thought it was. Okay, okay. So. But I, I again, I've seen it since then, and I can appreciate it now. Being like, oh, it's a horror comedy, especially what I know about Peter Jackson yes. now. Right. Being like, oh, he did Dead Alive and all these other things. I w- I can uh, retroactively kind of see what he was going for. 
But I was so fucking let down. I was like, that's a dog shit ass movie. Didn't make me laugh and didn't scare me. So I, I walked away just being like, the fuck was that? So. I mean, there, there is a little bit of that. It does, the, the horror falls a little bit flat. There's some kind of scary scenes, but this, it's kind of ruined by how bad the CGI is, even for like 1996, 1998. Right. And I think we've, you know, we've talked about this. At this point, Jurassic Park has come out, you know, like. Right, the game's changed. It's, you, you can't, you can't send your CGI to the lowest bidder anymore. You know, like, oh, we can kind of make a ghost thing and it'll look, it'll, it won't look cartoony, but yeah, it's not going to look real. Like, you can't do that anymore, you know. Um, and yeah, there's some really goofy parts. Yeah, like like slapsticky stuff. Um, I wanted it to be frightening. And it says The Frighteners. And it was not the goddamn two of the three Stooges and Michael J. Fox, Marty McFly <laughs> running around being Ghostbuster detectives. Just put that shit on the box art and let me know what the fuck I'm getting. But they got their money and I can, I can never get it back, Michael. I can never get it back. They won. They won. And so we win again. Exactly. Exactly. We've already got your money. <laughs> so good on your Frighteners marketing campaign. Coming soon, the frightness too. <laughs> Even goofier. Oh man. Yeah. So I, again, uh, I will rate it, and you can keep talking about it all you want, but that's all I wanted to say okay, about sure. it. Uh, I will rate it an elevator. Oh wait, that's a different movie. Never mind. No, no. Take two. <laughs> let's see. I will. Let's. The only thing I can really say about it is that, um, and this is kind of a negative. I, I do enjoy the movie. It's 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 very fun. Yes, it's a little silly in, in parts. It it tries to be a little terrifying. It's not really it doesn't either stick one. either. Yeah, it doesn't. But it's it's not necessarily bad. It's very very well shot. Um, I think again, Peter Jackson. You can see kind of where his mind goes and and see the technical aspects of of what he's doing. And you're like, oh, that's actually a really really well framed shot. You know, like. The, the plot and pacing seems to make sense. Like, they, they have just enough flashbacks to, like, give you enough information to keep you interested, you know, as opposed to just, like, information dump in the last third act where, like, Michael J. Fox remembers everything. You're like, oh, well, that was all important information. We should have known the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, the exposition um, dump. My only really major problem with the movie was um, Michael J. Fox just gave a really shaky performance. <laughs> You really had to go for that joke. How long were you sitting on that? Oh my god, since we started talking about the movie. <laughs> well, I was like, ah, I got to bed around four last night. <laughs> uh, my mental health is not good now. I see it, I see it. <laughs> I will go ahead and pivot off of that one. I will rate the movie um, Jerry Busey, Larry Busey. <laughs> And, and Carrie Busey. And Scary Busey. Scary Busey. We're like the Spice Girls now. That's right. <laughs> oh my God, that's a brilliant movie right there. Spice Girls meet yeah. Gary Busey? Yeah, they're all like a baby spice, this and that, you know? Baby, ginger, scary spice. No, I just want the spice. spice Girls to actually meet Gary Busey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, Do you guys want like a band or something? Oh my God, yeah. Uh, let's see, after that, man, do you want to take a quick break? We can maybe hear from our sponsors. I would love to do that. It might be an abridged episode today, but That's all right. I'm busy with the holiday season, my guy. So uh, we're going to take a break from our sponsor, Holiday Gift Bags Tracker. Trace the lineage of recycled bags that have been around season after season. 
you for our sponsor, giftbagtracker.com. It's like 23 in me, but for gift bags. Right, because uh, the bag, it's a gift in itself on Christmas. <laughs> I do think about that sometimes, though. Like, you know, they have like a dollar bill tracker. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Be like, how long does these go back, man? Right, right. <laughs> so my, my great-grandmother gave me this, and then it's just been passed around the family. I gifted to you for one Christmas, right. you gifted to me for the next. And right. It's crazy. Last year's sweater is this year's socks. Right, exactly. exactly. It's just a housing unit. So, yeah, uh, so what? Uh, what's what's next on our agenda here? Do you have a particular question that I need to be asked, I think, maybe? Oh, man, I was going to ask you, uh, oh, yeah, what you been watching, brother? I thought you would never ask. Um, there's something I know we've both seen, uh-huh. uh, so I'll, I'll save that. But I did get around to watching the Martin Scorsese movie, um, Killers of the Flower Moon. Okay. Good movie, good movie. Um it is about, ultimately, it opens up kind of with a bang of um, the Osage Indians. I'm, if I'm mispronouncing it, that's how Robert De Niro says it in the movie. And I don't know if his character Whatever. purposely says it wrong. Sure. But um, the Osage Indians, and they uh, they ultimately get pushed, a trail of tears happen, they get pushed to Oklahoma. They get a shitty deal from the white people. And what happens is, is they say, hey. So, like, every, every yeah, yeah, in, but, in Native American history. But their land was particularly like, hey, they don't get shit. And turns out that was uh, they found oil there. Oh, and so well, that changes the contract. Yeah, so exactly, Ray, I do not alter it further. Exactly, some Darth <laughs> Vader shit. Yeah, um, good fucking reference, good pull there. Um, so ultimately, that's what it is. And so they become per capita of of people, uh, the richest people in the world at that time. And this is set. It kind of starts off. Just after like 1900, I think it's like 1920, something like that. Okay, okay. And then by the time the movie wraps, I think it's probably about a decade or so worth of time. So, so it starts in the roaring 20s and ends in like the Great Depression kind of thing. Kind like, of, well, like pre-World War II kind of thing? The birth of the, the Federal, Federal Bureau of Investigation. So when J. Edgar Hoover oh, started to kind okay, of make a name okay. for himself as this young up-and-comer. Yeah, I think that was the late 40s, early 50s, if I remember Could correctly. be, could okay. be. I'm, I'm terrible with That's fucking yeah. American history in general. So, But yeah, it starts probably, anyways, it takes a place over a couple decades. Or at you least know he's got a dam named after him. The J. Edgar Hoover Dam? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he does, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. It's a damn big dam. Is so, it a goddamn? It is. <laughs> it's really not that much when you think about it, though. Um, so that's kind of where the movie kind of lives and breathes is in that era and really what it is is Leonardo DiCaprio plays somebody who is summoned by his uncle. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is a soldier in one of the wars I think World War One. comes home because his, his belly busted uh, due to something. He was a cook he saw a little bit of front, he didn't really see any action but okay. he did see some violence so he was a cook and so he gets summoned by Robert De Niro of like hey why don't you come out here to Osage country in Oklahoma We'll get you some work. And turns out, Robert De Niro, he calls himself, he's the king of the Osage Hill, is what it is. And okay. um, of the Osage Plains or whatever it is. But they call him king. His name is uh, William Hale. But everybody just calls him, you know, Hale's, king. Hale the yeah, king. Yeah, King Hale, King Hale. So he ultimately ropes Leonardo DiCaprio in, who is, um, for lack of a better word, he's just kind of simple. He's, he's a little thick. But uh, he. Okay. He That's kinda, an interesting. Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't usually play like the dense, slow character. Like maybe like eating Gilbert Grape might have been right. Been it's, the it's, last one. He's certainly not. And I I say this 
as tastefully as I possibly can. He doesn't play it to that extreme. He's not like sure, the, right. the character he's playing isn't like mentally disabled or has no, a no, handicap. No, no, no. I, I understand like that. that. But like, but like, even in like Titanic or Wolf of Wall Street or uh, uh, yeah, he's pretty sharp. The, Catch me if you can. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. like he, he usually plays the dude who's like one or two steps ahead. Yeah, he played Howard Hughes for God's sake. So. There you go. Right. Yeah. Um. But no, so he plays kind of a. Definitely not the puppet master in this one, more the puppet. And the puppet master ends up being Robert De Niro. And uh, really what happens is he Robert De Niro gives Leonardo DiCaprio, he's like, I'll find your work out here. You can be a driver. And what you got to do is just drive these Osage people around. They got money. They're getting checks and whatever. And um, really what it is is that there's certain people that have 100% claim to their mineral rights. And so... I guess like the the Osage people have yes a, okay yes. okay and some people's checks are limited so like when they're getting like their government stipends they go to this booth every week and they're like hey I need my money some people it's you have unlimited funds you have access to everything and okay. I'm not 100 percent sure how that works but it's all in names and mineral rights and so really what it is is Robert De Niro hatches a plan of like you are gonna start driving around this pretty girl um, name I believe Molly let me check real quick yeah Molly. Okay. Uh, played by Lily Gladstone, who I've never seen her in anything else before. She is fucking awesome. Okay. And I don't I don't want to call it an underrated performance of the week because she might be nominated for an Oscar. Okay. Uh, only okay. in the sense... I want to say two things. One, her performance is worthy of an Oscar. But okay. also, it is um, one of those things where the Academy tends to like a statistic along the lines of like this is the second native american sure. or she, indigenous she's, american she's to the second youngest native american to ever win the academy award directed by martin scorsese on a tuesday yeah, yeah. they they love stuff like that and i'm a, but i don't want that to take away with the fact that it is it is a it's worth, an oscar worthy performance sure, oscar sure. nominated worthy performance so okay, okay. i don't want to take it i just know that the oscars the academy loves shit it just, like it that it checks all the boxes in terms right. of like great performance minority character right. you know right. yeah right so underrepresented right. things of that right. nature historical so. film right right so um but yeah uh lily gladstone is her name she plays molly and really what it is is leonardo dicaprio becomes her driver he is kind of oh i do like her i do love her this and that and the third and uh, really, it's just Robert De Niro, like, you need to get your hands on this oil money. Okay. And so that's really what the whole crux of the film is. So it sounds like it's Dances with Wolves meets, like, There Will Be Blood. It's more There Will Be Blood mixed with Wind River. Oh. Because Wind okay. River, the big point of that movie is that, like, and I'm going to say this as freely as I can, but all these murders and terrible things start happening on this reservation of, of Native American land. And it's like, nobody gives a fuck. Right. Nobody right, gives right, a fuck. Right. And except, so, except for Jeremy Renner. Except for Renner, who saves the day and is on her wall right now. And uh, Lizzie Olsen that's also right. cares deeply. Um, but that's kind of what's going on here. It's like, these people that have these mineral rights are just getting killed. Sure, just, sure. And, and so, eventually, because of Robert De Niro's influence, he's the king of the Osage Hills, it's a bunch of good old white boys, and nobody's going to tell on course, each other. Of course, And so, oh, that's a, this problem. It's the good old boy system. Right. And so, nobody... Well, I knew, I knew old Robert from back in the day, and I just got to say, I don't believe he's capable of such a crime. Exactly. Exactly. And the cops go, yep, sounds good to me. Yep. Because they don't genuinely give a fuck. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it's very much so also... They try to portray, and they say some some pretty racial things, and I'm going to try to dance around it as best I can. Mm-hmm. But it's like in the movie Hero uh, with Jet Li, they call him like 
the the weak man of the East and things mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. And they call them, you know, oh, the pardon me, I'm not trying to... But they kind of imply the same things, like, oh, these Osage people are weaker, and they... Genetically this, inferior species. Uh, pretty much. Uh, yeah. And so diabetes starts to ravage them. Alcoholism starts to ravage them. Mm-hmm. And guess what? It's no different than some shit that might have happened to the black community with crack and things of that nature. <laughs> it was introduced. Uh, so right. all these terrible things. Right. And so really it's just Robert De Niro and all these people. Like one of the one of the characters, um, I think his name's Bill Smith in the movie. Okay. He marries one of the sisters that, that has... Is in line to get these mineral rights, like the the oil baroness. Yes, the, yeah, okay. to get these mineral rights. She marries one of them. She dies. He marries the sister like oh, quickly. It's just his whole reasoning is like, well, she was uh, there for me in my time of, of sure, need and sure. comforted me. And it's like you're a piece of shit. And obviously Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't like this person because he's kind of shady. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Leonardo DiCaprio is not a very good person in this movie. Okay. Um, okay. He's simple enough where he he kind of acts like he really does love Molly, but he's also a terrible fucking human being who's without spoiling it too much. Ultimately, what it is is you're seeing all these murders happen, and part of it is almost in a, in a weird way it's it's a who done it kind of written with the murderers murderers as the protagonists. Oh, and you don't okay. know exactly who's doing what, but you're like, these people so, are picking off these these Native American tribe. Because it, they tell you that. They're like, hey, look, here's the plan. And then all these things kind of happen. One gets murdered, another gets murdered, all in very graphic fashions. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, the, the mortician. They don't necessarily show it, but sometimes they do. The uh, mortician, like, when they're like, oh, you need to examine the body. They, like... Chop the body up so when the other the FBI agents do come in at the end of the movie, being like, "What happened to that bullet that you magically found?" Let, let me guess, it's gone too. Right, yeah. Sure. Right, Why did right, you right. examine the body this way? Oh well, we was trying to find the bullet. Like, oh, you need to go. Oh, oh. So like they 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 mask it under incompetence in yeah. terms of like in or negligence in order to hide a a larger crime. Yes. Like, yes. Well, the reason. I don't know. We just lost the spleen, and that's where we found the bullet. And, Pretty much. Oops, sorry, don't know where it went. Pretty much, and it's the runaround of you know who you need to talk to. You need to talk to this person. You right. go to that person. Well, we, if you go fill out form one four a, no, not like that. It's it's more. Hey, you need to go talk to this person. I bet this person down at the old sheriff's office they might know. You right. go to the sheriff's office. Well, you know the coroner might know something about right. that. The coroner. Well, you might need to talk to the mortician. Right. The mortician. You might need to talk right. to the sheriff. Well, what you want to do is talk to Johnson, but you can't talk to him this week because he's yeah. on vacation. So, right. Yeah. And so the the final act of the movie is pretty much the FBI coming to this town as um, Molly goes to Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. as she is uh, struggling with diabetes, um, and so she is like, "This might be the last thing I do." The government took my babies and my foot. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. And so she's struggling with this, and so she goes and pleads to the Native American Council, who has influence with the president, cool. and is like. They're murdering us. Right. And the FBI comes down. He's like, yeah, there's been a couple murders. He's like, yeah, there's been 25. I wouldn't really call that right. a couple. It's more like an epidemic. Sure. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 absolutely. And so that's kind of the premise of the movie. And I don't want to spoil it without you seeing it. Okay. But it's very long. It is three and a half hours. And you feel the length. Oh, wow. It is a... It is a slow burn driven by a lot of really good performances. Okay. So Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Yeah. But you feel the length of it. And um, 
it's it was is captivating it, though. Is it is it too long? Like that's kind of my problem with a lot of Martin Scorsese movies lately. Is that like he used to be able to tell a two and a half hour story, and now he's stretching it to three and a half hours. And I just I feel like there's a lot of what do they call it? Uh, chuffa, you know, like or 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 there's a lot of chaff from the wheat, you know, like there's a lot of shit where you could absolutely separate it and tell the exact same story that you wanted to. And yet we don't necessarily need this scene or that scene or what have you. I don't know. I know it comes from a book uh, that I do know. And so I don't know his dedication to the book. Um, There are some scenes that maybe linger a little too long. Okay. There is one point when the FBI finally, it's the acts are kind of weird too, because it's definitely like you would want to call this a third act, but then there's some other shit that happens. But around the third act, the FBI starts to kind of piece it all together. Uh-huh. And so there's a big exposition dump of like, hey, here's what I got. But the way he presents it is still a little bit confusing. Um, I didn't quite track everything. And maybe it's because I need to watch it again. But it didn't quite track. It was like, oh, that was a lot of information. Sure. Just like, for a slow, dump. this whole slow burn just got to that. And I wish I kind of would have spent a little more time there. Sure. Okay. So okay. In like, that- like maybe putting like piecemealing out that that information like he learns this piece of information here this piece of information here as opposed to just he goes to one person who just knows everything it's literally at at a certain point you see all these characters of fbi agents um Mm -hmm. talking to just random people throughout town and then pretty much the, the scene i'm talking about is they converge on an oil derelict and uh or derek derek not derelict jesus what did i say on an oil derrick and it's them all of them kind of have their turn in telling what they know oh. and it just happens very quickly and i was okay. like oh shit wait 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 and i would have liked to spend a little bit more time there but i wouldn't want to spend more time there at the cost of more running time yes. i feel like yes. the part that they needed to slow down they didn't slow down sure yeah 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 but everything else is again i appreciate the slow burn of it all so okay Okay. Very emotional. It's a pretty bummer movie in terms of you just see the ravaging of these of these people. And it's like, again, no one gives a shit. So you're telling me once again, Native Americans in the United States are getting fucked over at every opportunity? Pretty much. Pretty much. Sir, I don't know if I believe you. I just, saw Pocahontas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that story is drastically different than the fucking... I saw Dancing with Wolves. It all worked out, right? Yeah. Yeah, it does. But I'll say this. um, Remember Avatar? (laughs) Yeah, same movie. Same movie. Um, I will say this. Leonardo... I'm sorry for laughing. It's a tragic story and I should not laugh. I'm laughing at my jokes, not the situation. You're laughing at those three movies are ultimately the same. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I know which... I was following you. Um, I will say this. Leonardo DiCaprio... There's something to this young man. <laughs> Young man. Yeah, he's um that man is 50. <laughs> he's going places. This guy should be in more movies, more leads, more Oscar nods, things of that nature. More 18 to 22 year olds. Yeah, he dumps him at 26, I think. This is cut off, but hey, dude, good for you. I mean, that's a man who knows what he wants. Whatever, man. Like and also given the opportunity, if I was 18 don't... to 22 years old and Leonardo DiCaprio showed an interest and he was like Yo, listen, here's the rules. I'd be like, cool, I'm going to ride this fucking coattail for as long as I can. Right, right. Hey, man, you know exactly what this is. If you that's, sign up for it, that's on you. That's it. So, anyways, um, he's brilliant in it. 
Robert De Niro, once again, is brilliant. Um, it's just a lot of the same players. Uh, again, uh, this Lily Gladstone, she's incredible in it. Pretty, It's it's good all the way around. And um, i, I got to say, it really does stand on the, the backs of the performances. The story really? itself is is really good. Um, but again, it's weird. It's oddly paced in the fact of you don't know all the intricacies of it, of who exactly who's doing these killings and who is... Picking anybody that starts to kind of thumb their nose and things and starts okay. to get... So it's like a classic whodunit in terms of as soon as you think you know who it is, they, they throw a little bit of shade on somebody else to like... They just... Maybe waver your decision a little bit. Like, not, may, maybe not con- like maybe not like totally convince you one way or the other, but like, oh, but I don't know. It could also be this guy. Not really in the sense you know that it's a group of people doing it. You know that at some point Robert De Niro is responsible for a lot of this shit. You don't know how much of it he's doing directly, how much of it like Leonardo DiCaprio is doing directly, how much of his brother. Like, you know there's a group of people that is killing these people. So you're telling me <laughs> that it's all old, rich, white people trying to get richer. Influencing the local governments to get their way at the at the or not the behest, at the at the detriment of the local populace, the local minority. It's exactly what I'm saying, buddy. And it's hard to believe in this. Welcome to America! <laughs> I don't know if that was Macho Man or if that was your Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Very similar in your impersonations there. Um, but I, I do recommend it. It's a slow burn and it's a little bit of a bummer. Just because okay. there's some... Little bit? Little bit. I mean, <laughs> and again, I don't want to spoil it. There's a bunch of reveals that when you do see it, um, I'd love to talk to you about. Okay. But okay. The long and short of it's it's pretty much there, cool. and um, cool. it's, I'll, uh, I'll watch Schindler's List and then I'll watch that. Right. And it's watching people get their comeuppance or who you think might get their comeuppance by the end. It's it's pretty interesting. So, okay. I would give it three and a half boobless hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sled. <laughs> <laughs> Rosebud's a sled, yeah. Family guy joke for you. Sorry. No, you're good. Uh, I will give it um, one full moon over the Oklahoma Plains. Oh. Yeah. yeah. That sounds beautiful and tragic. That's exactly right. That's right. exactly right. Now, the movie that we both have seen. Marcus, what else have you been watching? I know. The movie we both have seen. Marcus, what else have you been watching? I have been watching... Jack Frost 2, Revenge of the Killer Mutant Snowman. Oh, me too! One of uh, my favorite holiday traditions is to watch the original Jack Frost, who I think if you've been paying attention to this podcast long enough, I put Michael on uh, last holiday season, which he finally watched and thoroughly appreciated. Yep. But before I do, Jack Frost 1 was a movie, how you were talking about the Frighteners earlier, Mm -hmm. and how box art uh, for just the actual film itself, yeah, for, the, the, for the, the VHS, yeah, yeah, the VHS aesthetics, right, the box art of it. Um, Jack Frost two was, or Jack Frost one, the the original was one that caught my eye mm-hmm. because my I've told the story before. My best friend John Shuck and I wanted something kind of campy, and he was like, "Yo, let's get Jack Frost," because every time you walk past it in the movie theater, or I'm sorry, in the movie store at movie gallery. It was one of those old school holographic ones mm-hmm. that changed. It looked like a happy snowman when you walked it, when you looked at it from the left side, and as you walked over to the right, he transformed and had the teeth and the claws right. and the, yeah. The, yeah. the the fur, the 
the pointed eyebrows to make him a killer snowman. Yeah, it's like a Pokemon card where if you look at it one way, it's Charizard, and if you look at the other side, it's Charmander. Yeah, I don't. I forget what those are called, but it's some kind of holographic like transition cards. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. And so that was the box art for Jack Frost, the first one. So that's what brought me into the series. It's like, oh, this box changes colors. Yeah, and that was a big deal back in the day. <laughs> a lot of movies. Um, but you think that's like an extra on the grand scheme of production? What an extra maybe two cents per box? Sure. Yeah. You know, yeah, I know exactly. the DVD sleeves when a DVD first comes out. When you buy it, they have the sleeves, and it's like limited edition couple months later those sleeves are if they're not Gone. sold out already it's just a straight box yep. just for the same reason yeah, yeah the yeah. little holograph was just like but hot made, glued onto the front but it made the difference like i don't think like there's a younger generation that right now will net will never understand well maybe like scrolling through netflix or something but like yeah. like there there was this certain aesthetic of walking through the movie store and just seeing boxes and just row after row after row of VHS tapes and DVDs and whatever and like there had to be something about it that like struck your interest and made you reach out and go ooh what's this one and that's exactly. all it took that's nine times out of ten because if you reach out and and pull a box out you're probably going to read the back and be like I like everything about this you know or or at least there's an increased probability you know where right. you go, who's in this? Who directed this? Right. And you're like, right. oh, I right. like this right. director. Right. He did right. this. Right, right, right. And all it took was just the visual, like... The aesthetic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just just looking at the box cover and being like, what is this? This looks cool. Like, I mean, you see it all all the time with, like, movies trying to, to, to imitate, like, the, the Frank Frazetta or something like that. Like, Beastmaster and Conan or, you know, shirtless dude holding a sword above his head with a beautiful, like woman wrapped in a you know a beautiful woman clothed in a bikini wrapped around his leg right. and then there's probably a sorcerer in the background or like a dragon or something like that or yeah. like the space movie where it's a dude shooting a laser gun dressed in like silver leather and some beautiful woman off in the box you know off on the side and some evil space alien with the prosthetics, you know, and like some catchy tagline. Some catchy tag, like they thought it was all about space and love. Turns out it was all about terror. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's that a pretty, shitty one. No, no, I got you. You actually weren't bad for it. Um, for off the top of your head, that wasn't too bad. But uh, I can do better. You want to do take two? Nope. Okay. <laughs> uh, he said, "No, I would, but I'm just too lazy." Nope. I said, "I could do better." I just want you to know that I could. Which is the point of an 80s movie. Like, yeah. I could do better, but I won't. I'm, I'm too lazy to. So, <laughs> Sorry, we're out of cocaine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, the other part that was fun in the movie store was also, as one of three brothers, you would have to almost get somebody on your side and yeah. to try to control the narrative. Yeah. I'd be like, what do you... Hey, this looks cool. And sometimes you immediately got the, yeah, we're not running that. From right. You had to feel the room of like, if I can convince one of these people, then I have two voices... And so you had to like go off looks. Oh, this looks cool. This looks cool. Or I heard this movie was awesome. And a lot of times you're lying. You're just lying. Yeah. You're like, My friend said it was this. And you're like, which friend? You're like, at school, you don't know him. <laughs> you don't know him at all. She I could to, say any name right now and you just have to believe me. She goes to school me. in Canada. You probably never heard yeah, of her. Yeah, a pen pal. <laughs> uh, Chef Boyardee. <laughs> yeah, this is his name. Her name is Florence Plate. Right. It's like Kaiser so saying. Kaiser so saying. You know what I'm saying? As you read shit in the movie theater. Yeah. Anyways. Um, Her name is Freddy Krueger. 
<laughs> Anyways. Um, so that's what initially attracted me to Jack Frost. So we watched the sequel, Jack Frost 2, Revenge of the Killer Mutant Snowman. Yeah. And I gotta say, I fucking loved it. They leaned into the camp more. They uh, doubled down on what works in a weird way. So just just for shorthand... Do you want to explain what the basic premise is? We explained in the first, when we first talked about it, but for those that don't have 2020 memory, <laughs> ultimately what it is, there is a, a murderer, a, a psychopath, serial a serial killer named Jack. Uh, Jack Frost, I believe his name yep. is. And he is being transported to prison after being arrested by this town sheriff. Sentenced to death. Sentenced to death by the... Christopher Allport plays him. The sheriff's name is Sam Tiller. Yes. Yeah. So uh, Sam Sam Tiller busts him, whatever. He's being sent up upstate. He has a horrible collision with a chemical truck. But in the process, he dies, Jack Frost does, in the snow with these chemicals. Reincarnate him as a killer snowman who, who vows to seek revenge on the sheriff and the town and uh, all that stuff. Right. Genetically modified cryogenics. Yes. Is, is their explanation. How you genetically modify snow, I don't know. But that's the science we're working with. Jump on board or get the fuck off. Yeah, it's Daredevil pretty much. A truck hits him and he gets radioactive bat powers. But he turns into a snowman instead. Instead of Ninja Turtles, if you can believe that, you can believe in this. Oh, can we get that movie? Yeah, we won't even go down that rabbit hole right now. But yes, I would love that. He could be a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle villain though. Yeah, Jack Frost? Yeah, I would totally buy that toy. Easily. So, the second one pretty much starts off, in the first movie, Jack Frost is defeated by the sheriff, his family, uh, his weakness is antifreeze, and he tackles him into a, a truck bed filled of antifreeze, and Jack Frost melts away. They then take the remains of the antifreeze, and they bury it deep in the earth. And uh, the second movie pretty much starts off with some hooligans digging up the grave for some reason. <laughs> They don't ever explain the motive, but they... But the voice they use is like, it's it's very much... Old-timey sheriff? It's Fuzzy Lumpkin. Well, like, who told you to dig it up here? Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, this is a side right here. If the money's good. <laughs> the other dude betrays him and kills him in voiceover. Right, right, In right, ADR. Right. Yeah. So they re-dig up uh, Jack Frost and bring him to some secret scientific lab that's never explained doesn't matter don't fucking worry about it um long story short they reincarnate him and then he decides to track the sheriff that killed him from what is it uh snowmonton yeah snowmonton (laughs) snowmonton to the bahamas yep that's where we pick up our movie yeah they uh the poor sheriff has been traumatized for over (laughs) a year now due to the events of jack frost one and so he can't get over it. He's the movie opens with him speaking to either a psychiatrist or a therapist of some kind, and he's telling a story about the mutant snowman, the mutant snowman. And little did you know, this poor sheriff has become the laughing stock of this little office as right. as the receptionist and all the other people are listening in. Oh no, 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 no. Not just all the other people. It's the receptionist. Some dude in a construction hat. A construction hat. worker. <laughs> some dude who works at like a nineteen fifties diner with a paper hat and apron. And then what was the other one? It was uh, like a college student or something like yeah, that with something. like glasses or, or something like that. Yeah, they just like couldn't. the most eclectic group of people who were like, why are they like? 
who shows up to so a therapist appointment so in your construction hat? Right. So apparently the village people are listening in <laughs> on the other line. <laughs> it was a, va- a cowboy, a construction worker. Young man. A, yeah, police chief. And, Put your uh, snow behind you, right. I said, young man. So um, It's what you can do. <laughs> so they listen in to the humiliation of this poor sheriff. And he decides to get away for Christmas, um, even though you know he doesn't feel safe. He's been traumatized and he can't get over it. Jack Frost somehow, in the first movie, one of his powers was he can turn like into water, right? And still like, and then reappear, refreeze himself. Hydrokinesis. Yeah, pretty much. In this one, I don't understand his power set nope. whatsoever. Nope. Because he makes it to the island, and at some point he's just... No, no, no. Not just makes it to the island. Traverses from... A drain. Snowmanton, Minnesota, Wyoming, whatever. Wyoming, whatever. To the Bahamas. So he would have had to go through the Great Lakes, down like through the Hudson River, down the entire East Coast, through the Gulf Stream... To make it to fucking the Bahamas? Yeah. Which somehow are mountainous? Well, you know, he's just in the Caribbean. It's not necessarily the Bahamas. No, no, they definitely say the Bahamas. Oh, either way. And sure. I don't know if you know this, but the Bahamas are not known for their mountains. Many other Caribbean islands are, but yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, he makes all that, that trip in like the span of like a day. However long it takes them to fly there, he's like right behind them. Yeah. They yeah. get settled in and then all of a sudden, boom. But they... They never. The only explanation is that the sheriff might have been discussing his travel plans and stepped in a puddle that maybe had been was was Jack Frost, but they never really explained oh, it. Oh no, they do explain it, and it's terrible. We'll get to that point. Oh, okay, okay. They maybe do. I missed that part. They, they do. Okay, they do. That's why he, they they have a a shining connection almost. Oh, right. so oh, that's right. Because apparently, what happened was when. It's kind of like Neo and Agent Smith in the Matrix right. is the best way I can describe it. <laughs> when he fell into the the um, the antifreeze at the end of Jack Frost One, the sheriff had open wounds on him from fighting Jack Frost, and so maybe their DNA got mixed cro- in. got mixed in together, right. and so they have this weird connection where they can sense him and all this kind of stuff. That's how he followed him all the way to this bohemian getaway. Well, when you put it like that, it makes total sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. <laughs> So, really what it is, is it's Jack Frost traveling the, the ocean or whatever. And at some point, there's these people that are on a deserted, on, a on like this deserted raft in the middle of nowhere. Can I just say, I love their initial banter where it's just one dude being like, no, those totally aren't rocks. Don't worry about it. No, those aren't rocks at all. And the dude's like, shut up. No, those aren't rocks, rocks at all. Don't worry about it. We don't need a compass. What the fuck are we going to need a compass for? <laughs> yeah. Like, it tells so much of their backstory just by like... Stupid dialogue. <laughs> it, yeah, goon a, and they goon. find a carrot. No, no, no. They brought the carrot. They had apparently they had a candy bar and a carrot. One dude ate the candy bar, so he was mad at him. The other dude, they got in a fight because he's like, "Well, fine, then this is my carrot." And really, the point of the carrot is, is it shows how Jack Frost is assembling all the parts right, of his right, snowman body. Right. So he gets a carrot from these two guys. Of course, it's on the Bohemian Island, so there's some group of young women that are out there, and they're trying to pick up on some boys, and they're having a fire, and guess what starts the fire is charcoal. Right. So he kills them slowly. Gets his like eyes and buttons, and yeah, then he and his kills, scarf. A dude, kills a dude for a scarf. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, at one point... Here's my question. Go ahead. I know he has like 
hydrokinesis. Oh, you're about to talk about his power set? Because that's where I was going next. Because, so, how does he go from the shoreline, kill this group of women, and, I'm sorry, but, like, the tropics are at least a constant temperate climate of, I don't know, 74 degrees? He's incredibly powerful in this movie, let's just say. At one point, there's not even any snow. It's just a his carrot nose is doing the talking. Yeah. It's like, how is that possible? Just wiggling through the wiggling sand. Through the Listen here. Da, 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 da. And he's doing all this corny dialogue, just watching these young women in their charcoal fire who he kills. At one point, he he sneaks up on this woman who's doing a photo shoot, mm-hmm. and he turns himself into ice. Now, here's the power part, Michael. I'm about to geek out, so okay. let me push my glasses I'm up. I'm following. Iceman in the X-Men comics is considered in oh, a... Oh, wow. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. We're getting we're going there. <laughs> Hold on. i got to readjust my position here. Exactly. <laughs> Iceman in the comic books is considered an Omega-level mutant. Yes. And that is pretty much... I won't bore you too much. It's like a nuclear deterrent. That means that there is no man-made machine that has the abilities or power set of a certain mutant. So, like, Magneto is so one... So, essentially, if they ascended to their highest power level, there's nothing that humankind, with its technology, could do to stop it. Pretty much, yes. So... That's like the highest form. That's like the highest grade. If you're an Omega level mutant, there's only a handful of them in the MCU. Iceman, with this power, he can make clones of himself. The issue is, is that it's his conscious controlling them. He mm-hmm. can make like puppets of himself, but he has to still sit back and control them. Mm-hmm. Now, why I say that Jack Frost must be the most powerful goddamn being on the planet? Right. At one point, he turns himself into ice cubes in a right. cooler. Right. Now. Each one of these ice cubes, you hear them banter within the the uh, little cooler. Oh, they so have, he they so have individual he, names. I was gonna say, so he splits his consciousness. One's called Carrie. One's called Larry. One's called- <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> callback joke. But I'm saying, he splits his consciousness yeah. into thousands of ice cubes. Like, do you understand the raw ability of yeah. that? Technically, then each one of those could have his own individual personality and could unfreeze themselves and be an army of fucking. Ja- when I saw that, Michael, the nerd in me was like, he's the most powerful goddamn being on the planet. If he's you more s- terrifying than Freddy Krueger. Yeah, if you can split your consciousness <laughs> and be individual people and then come back as one, like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, Jack Frost is back on this island. He has more powers than ever. He can now freeze things by a touch. He can fucking rans. He can just turn whatever he wants to snow and pain. Yeah. And, uh, Snow and pain. Uh, pretty much. I think I found the title of this fucking yeah. podcast. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so his power set is through the roof now. And ultimately, this poor sheriff who nobody believes, he's like, I know Jack's here. I know Jack Frost is yeah, back. Yeah, he, he's kind of suffering from PTSD. And like for the past year, he's just been talking about Jack's coming back, Jack's coming back. And nobody believes him. They're like, you need to get away. Let's go on a vacation. So it's kind of Jaws 4 in a weird way, too. I was going to say more... Uh, uh, Die hard in terms of like, just come down to Jamaica, get a couple of laughs. <laughs> kind of, actually, as a sheriff. Yeah. So, all that being said, Jack Frost then reveals himself after terrorizing the island and killing several people just for cannon fodder's sake. Um, he re- just icicle spikes through the eyes. Oh, he puts a pair of uh, uh, cooking tongs through a woman's eyes and then plucks them out like uh, Concord grapes. Yes, he does. He uh, also. <laughs> Freezes a woman alive in a pool. That's right. He, yeah, he, he does. He dro- he turns he turns into an anvil and drops on somebody yeah. and mushes them. Yeah, a snow anvil. Yeah, a snowville. Yeah, exactly. 
And the whole time that he throws an he throws a snowball with such force and velocity that it rips off a guy's arm. Well, that's when the movie cranks up in the second. Yes, year, it Michael. is. Because up to this point, you don't really get to see Jack Frost. He's kind of assembling himself and working in the shadows. Right, right. right. And apparently, it's like a Voldemort situation. Kind of. Yeah. You, you you hear his voice all the time, and the sheriff eventually goes to sleep. He's like, "All right, you're right. I'm gonna let this thing go." And he wakes up, and it's snowing outside, and everyone else is being oblivious to it. And the funny part is, is there are certain like very trope, very um, cliched, sort of cliched yeah. stereotype kind of kind of characters. There's a the the benefactor of the island is this old like British dude who was in India. Uh, in India in 1904, we had to face the bunch of Punjabis, and they almost took my leg, but I fought them off with a broken teacup and. Right, he looks like a safari fucking, like he shot a lion at least once or twice. He's, he's very life. colonial British, like safari right. hat, yeah. Right, like, there's the the Jamaican bar, the Caribbean bartender he's got with him. Which, can we talk about his accent that he's doing? I want to be able to do that level of accent. Because that he is not Jamaican, he is not Caribbean. But it sounds like just cheesy enough to where it's believable, but not really. Yeah, he, he like, tells okay, that pretty well. So it's it's it's... Just cheesy enough to where it's not offensive, which is what I'm trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> You're also white, which takes a big chunk out of it. There's not white Jamaicans? There are. All right. There are. Okay. But not in the way you try to portray it. <laughs> Gotta I'll get, get there. Yeah, we'll get there. I'm working on it. We'll get there. Every night. <laughs> so, but anyways, there's a there's a, a, a slew of kind of characters that all kind of fit a certain mold. Um there is one returning character mm-hmm. that's not even a returning character. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the sheriff, uh, Sheriff Sam Tiller, uh, that was the the main protagonist, he had a buddy named Agent Manners who mm-hmm. worked at the FBI. Right. <laughs> from the first movie. From the first movie. Right. Who, in sequence, got his face mutilated by uh, Jack Frost. And I. they never really officially showed him dying. They just showed him, like... It was one of those like in shadow things where like Jack Frost turns the corner. And it's like ah, like yeah, and he gets roughed up. Apparently, drum roll, he lives, but he's played by a different actor. <laughs> and his they they do what I always ask, and this is the big thing I what you've been watching at least it's on this a, half of the table. It's the greatest line ever. <laughs> he, they give you they give you the line of dialogue. They wrote it in there to be like, why does this dude look so different? He's uh-huh. like. 40, 40 different facial reconstruction surgeries, and this is the best they could do. <laughs> it's, a it's, it's a completely different actor with an eye patch. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. The only difference is it's an eye patch and a completely different actor. <laughs> yes, yes. And this is how you know that they're leaning in. Like, not even, like, different height, different hair type, different ethnicity, like... The first guy was kind of maybe Hispanic or something like that. This dude is very Aryan white, and they're like, 45 facial reconstructions. <laughs> this is the best they could do. Like, they did pretty fucking good, They did pretty good, damn dude. good. <laughs> You're not grotesque as you should be. It's not like some fan of the opera shit. No, definitely not. Definitely not. He looks pretty good, actually. The funny part to me is, is this is when they really do lean into the camp. Yeah. And you can tell that they it's written and directed by the same person, mm-hmm. uh, based on characters directed by Michael Cooney. So mm-hmm. shout out to you for giving us for a sure. great, a great, a great franchise. It's dear to my heart. But this uh, Agent Manners, every time he's on screen, I don't know what this is called, and Michael had to inform me, but they do the like, like the... 
And I think it's called a, a dramatic sting. Yeah, it's like the you've you've all seen the internet meme of the the gopher, you know, in, in the Japanese game show turning around and like Yes. Yeah. And I want to know who the first person to do that was. Kind of like the the idea of uh, like in other movies where somebody yells so loud and then they cut to a shot of a tree and all the birds fly out of the tree. Sure. Or or like the like the Wilhelm scream, like the ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. where did it originate? Like, what was the first person to do the whole like? Bah, 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 da. So they do that dramatic sting every time. Every time he's every on, time. and it's fucking hilarious because <laughs> they write such bad dialogue. And I, I'm pretty sure at this point it's purposeful. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. They they're winking at the camera so heavy yeah. that they just hit you with the dramatic sting. At one point he goes, I wasn't done talking. <laughs> and then he delivers his next line. Or some that. shit like that. Yeah, I might right. be butchering the delivery no, a little but bit. you're right. That is right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, but then he like continues a part of a story right. after they do it. And it's like, that is so bad. Like, right. kudos to you for doing that. Right. It happened in Cambodia. I wasn't done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's David Allen Brooks plays Agent Manners in Jack Frost, too. It was... Uh, Stephen Mendel. In oh, the in the first, first one. Yeah, yeah in the first yeah, yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, to go back to it though, this this FBI agent, he's now head of security on this island. Yeah, this indigenous island. He says he's like, I got away from all the snow. No. He says I retired, and then the sheriff is like, They fired you, didn't they? Like, yeah, shit can be right out the door. <laughs> right out the. <laughs> yeah, nobody believes him about this killer mutant snowman. <laughs> But the best part is, is as Jack Frost begins to assemble himself, this poor sheriff, Mr. Sam Tiller, played by the now deceased, and in, I'm going to give it to him, the underrated performance of the week. You know what? Based on Jack Frost and Jack Frost 2, I'm going to give it to him because, listen, was he the most convincing actor in the movie? No. But did he commit 100%? Yes. It's pretty and much... I gotta respect that in the same way that I respect Nick Cage for the exact same <laughs> of reason. Of course, of course. So we're gonna give our underrated performance of the week to Christopher Allport. He may, doesn't. May you rest in peace. First off, he doesn't get the Valley Kilmer Award. He gets the Nick Cage Award. He does. What is the difference? Explain I mean, it to the people. I mean, one, one is... swings for the fences, and it might be a terrible performance. Got it. We're gonna move ahead. <laughs> and make that canon now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, he. He passed away. There was allegedly supposed to be a Jack Frost 3. Really? Which would have made my day. Yes. But where do you go for... So you brought Jack Frost from like snowfuck Minnesota to the Bahamas. Where do you go from there? I mean, you got to go to a fiery volcano. No. the only logical spot. No, sir. You do a Jack Frost origin story based in the like 1700s. Killer, it's it's his sentient. Yes. Anyways. Yes. Anyways. This is where you jump the shark. This is where you go like, oh no, this killer's just always been around. I just thought it would be, what's the most illogical place he could go? It was like, oh, we're going to go to a volcano. What's hotter than the Bahamas? And now it's like, he's impervious to fire. Space. There we go. Jack Frost in, in space. space. There we go. In space, no one can hear you ice cream. Oh, that's pretty damn good. God that's damn pretty, good See, you made up for that early one. <laughs> made up for Look at that. Redemption. We believe we have it. to bring that up. Yeah, we believe in it. But uh, I guess they were going to do Jack Frost 3, and from what I understand, the director, Michael Cooney, was working on one of the Airbud sequels. 
And so the, so the scheduling didn't line wait, up. Wait. So he said, I don't want to do Jack Frost. No, no. He wanted to. He wanted to. He couldn't get uh, Christopher Alport, who was our underrated form of the week, right. as Sheriff Sam Tiller. Um, I guess they had a scheduling conflict. One of them was doing Airbud. I'm not sure which one, but one of them was doing one of the Airbud sequels. And uh, Christopher Allport passed away before they could get it going. Oh, no. So, yeah, there was going to be a Jack Frost 3. But. Okay, so here's how you rewrite that. So, like. Facial construction surgery? <laughs> AI actors. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Now we're talking. No. So, in this movie, they kind of take over the wife. Uh, kind of became the protagonist because uh, uh, Sheriff Teller basically shut down because of PTSD and like, oh, it's all happening again. It's all happening again. Jack Frost is back. And then the wife took over as the main character and like the impetus to like, we're going to kill Jack Frost. So that's what you do is either that or you bring in the kid who they remove from the second movie and you do a Jaws 3. (laughs) (laughs) The Brody family struggle. That's right. I'm with it. I will say this though. All the sh- he becomes an astronaut. <laughs> right. Now we're just pitching nonsense, <laughs> even more nonsense. Hey, A24, call me up. Yeah, call us up. We got Jack Frost 3 ready to roll for you. <laughs> um, but no, I will say this. The Shadow Jack Frost stuff when he was killing but not really being seen yet, he wasn't at his full potential. When he reveals himself after he makes it snow on the island... And everyone's out like, oh, we're going to have a snowball fight. And how he reveals himself to the sheriff is awesome. Like Michael said earlier, it's just a bloodbath. He starts shooting icicles through people's <laughs> eyes and throats and stomachs. Yeah, yeah. Just impaling people. He he forms a snowball and compacts it so hard that he throws it at some dude and it rips his arm off. At the shoulder. Yeah, at the shoulder. <laughs> a snowball. And then it's just like a Kurosawa blood spray. Like, it's brilliant. It is awesome. Not not just a blood spray, but they keep cutting to the 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 actor's girlfriend who is just <laughs> constantly being sprayed by blood, and then they cut back to him spraying blood, cut back, back to, to her, her being covered in blood, cut back to him spraying blood, and it's just ah, ah and like it goes on like almost a little bit too long, but, but on just, purpose. But just long enough to where you're like, oh, it's funny again. Oh no, it's great. It's brilliant. It's it's Camp 101, man. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, when he starts the blow, when it really ramps up, it's it's fully worth watching. And at some point the the sheriff says, "All right, well, we got to do the same trick again." And so he decides they they build like a punji pit almost as it were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they build like a a tarp with filled with antifreeze once again. And instead well, of snow, they put potato flakes over it. Well, but hold on, hold on. They actually have a line where the bad Jamaican accent bartender... You can do it without the accent if you're I, capable. I'm not going okay, to. Okay, good. Yeah, good. <laughs> not... Nope. I'm going to save that one. There we go. <laughs> you know me. I know. I knew you were going to go for it. That's why I was like, let's let's nip no, this in the no. bud real quick. <laughs> the, the, the Jamaican bartender says, oh, coolant. That's the same thing as antifreeze. And I don't think it is. I don't think that coolant is the same thing as antifreeze. They keep talking about how antifreeze was the thing that killed Jack, Jack Frost, Frost the last the time. And then he goes, oh, you're talking about coolant. Our our generator runs through it like it's you know drinking Jamaican rum. And I'm like, I don't think coolant and antifreeze are the same thing. In fact, I think they're complete opposites. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not a mechanic. 
I'm sure somebody's screaming right now, like, you two are morons, and you would be correct. <laughs> yeah. You would be correct in your assumption. So I put coolant in my antifreeze right, the other day. Exactly. Because it's the same thing. Yeah, windshield. Am I wrong? Yeah, windshield washer fluid. Probably right in there somewhere, too. It doesn't freeze I when I spray vo- it. I just put vodka in mine. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, that, way, that way, when the cops pull me over, I could be like, well, funny story. Funny story, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, not me. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they build a punji pit. <laughs> and they, they throw Jack Frost. Oh, wait, we're back to the punch. Yeah, we are, we are. So they get Jack Frost to trick in it. Uh, he slips and falls in it. Lo and behold, because he's so super powered now, he forms back again. And he's like, do you have any idea how bad that fucking stings? Da, 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 da. Their explanation for it is just, well, I'm more powerful than last time. And so, like... Yeah, because it's the sequel. Of course. Of course. Like, <laughs> That's how it works. like I'm saying, they're not wasting any time on character development no. or or plot lines. It's just, oh, antifreeze doesn't work anymore. What are we gonna do to beat Jack Frost? Mm, banana. So yes, so here it goes. <laughs> so as Jack Frost gets I'm not trying to do a recap. He gets dropped in the antifreeze, he reforms himself, and at this point, he's like, oh, I guess I swallowed a little bit more than I thought, and he burps up a, a little snowball. Turns out that snowball is also sentient, and they turn into little killer Jack Frost babies. It's like gremlins. Yeah, like gremlins, ultimately. And so, they end up killing a bunch of people. They figure, they try to catch them in a blender, they try to throw them in a microwave, and... Uh, he keeps reforming, like... The little like, babies do, Like, yeah. essentially, the, the, the snowball babies, like... You can't kill them by heat. You can't kill them by salt or antifreeze or or any conventional methods. But what does kill them? And this is where the plot line earlier was very important. Remember when they got their genetics all matched and whatever? Sure. Uh, The sheriff and Jack Frost? Well, apparently, the sheriff has a banana allergy. And so now Jack Frost, when he uh, his blood was in the, the coolant that he killed him in the end of the first one, now Jack Frost, they learn has this same weakness. So what do they do to kill these snow babies? They mix up a bunch of banana daiquiri juice. That's goddamn right. And they... Alcohol. The solution to and cause of many of life problems. (laughs) (laughs) So they all end up killing uh, all the little snow babies and whatever. And uh, final showdown. Which, by the way, are just cute little, like... Almost Muppets, like they're 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 Look like almost, oven mitts. They're they're, <laughs> they're like a little oven no, mitts. No, they're not quite oven mitt quality. They're almost Muppet quality, like almost. Like if you just spent the extra hundred dollars, you could have had a Muppet. Yeah, they they recycled the suit from Jack Frost in the first one when he's actually <laughs> on camera and he's standing there talking to the sheriff. It's not so bad, but the rest of it, you can tell it's very like. The snow monster in, in Star Wars where all you see is an arm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Where all you see is like... The wampa. Yeah, yeah, wampa. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Um, Shut up, nerds. I know. Uh, <laughs> but I, I fucking love this movie, man. So I do too. I, I really enjoy it. We don't need to recap it anymore. Yeah, yeah. They save the day via banana juice and the the sheriff comes back at, when his wife is finally about to meet her demise at Jack Frost and earlier at some point they were taking archery classes and so we plunges a banana deep within the heart of Jack Frost which makes him fucking explode <laughs> and violent like Marshmallow Man at the end of Ghostbusters 2 fashion. It is. It's it pretty is fucking awesome. Much, yeah, it, it was like almost a direct reference. Like there's a point where he's like searching for his wife like oh, come back to me. Where are you? Where are you? And it's like he's literally searching for it looks like the end of a foam party. It does. At it like does. 
uh, like a nightclub or something like that, where it's like, Gavin, yeah. Gavin, where are you, Gavin? Oh, here you are, buried. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, he just pulls her out of this foam pit. And he's like, I love you so much. He's like, yeah, next time, let's choose another island, but, like, far, far away. And he's like, maybe Greece? And she's like, no. Yeah, no more islands. Yeah, whatever it was. Um, but, yeah, what do you think about the movie, though, man? Let's, let's break into the, your thoughts of it as opposed to the recapping of it. I think that, like so many sequels after it, it was, or, or uh, so many sequels before it, it suffers from it's all the B jokes that didn't quite make it into the first movie or, or maybe the jokes are so constrained by the locale in terms of like, we have to make them all tropical jokes or have to make them all, you know, how does a snowman exist in a tropical climate joke that it's not quite as good as the first, but I appreciate the effort they put into the second. Yes, it's more of the same, but also they lean into the camp enough to where they understand exactly what this movie is. Like They well, do. Like, we've already had Killer Snowman. How do we make it more bigger without rehashing the same stuff before? Oh, well, let's just move them to the Bahamas. How do we do that? Doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, with omnipotence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Just... just as long as people are willing to just jump on board that, like, snowmans exist in the Bahamas, who gives a fuck? Right. And this is an abnormal... That's the funny part, is watching all the, the vacationers like, oh, it's just a miraculous day on Christmas. And it's like, no, it's not. Right, right, right. <laughs> Every logical person's like, no, it's Jack Frost, definitely. And everyone's like, oh, you're just crazy. Like, dude, you are in the Bahamas. <laughs> so, anyway, right. no, I, I was going to say the same thing. I... I'm glad in my plus column is that they leaned into the camp. Yes. Like the the dramatic sting or whatever, the the costuming. Blah, 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 blah. The the dialogue is so heavy wink at the camera. Yeah. Of uh, the puppeteering is not very good. The CGI, he's like we're going to do enough CGI so where you don't lose track of what's going on in the shot. Sure. When Jack Frost disappears into the snow, yes. it just jumps up and then like plops down and all of a sudden like a little CGI splash of water. <laughs> right, right. And it's like, like okay, he he dove into the snow. Like, like it's, it's almost terrible. It's almost like clip art kind of thing where it's pretty just much. like select splash effect. Pretty much. It's like a freaking uh, PowerPoint transition slide yes, or whatever yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. thing. Which, again, they do enough where it's like I'm not losing track of what's going on in the shot. Yeah. So, so don't expect that. They did not spend their money there. I feel like all the puppets were recycled. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I think the little snow creatures kind of overstayed their welcome because I was here for Jack Frost. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. They yeah, kind of yeah. the their whole like little like chittery like me 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 like was just kind of got like all right I'm ready for these things to be melted away because <laughs> I want to see big bad it, omnipotent Jack Frost do his thing. It did kind of take a weird turn in the third act in terms of like once they introduced the whole like gremlins aspect of it of like oh now we have to hunt down all these like baby snowballs kind of thing. So, like, Jack Frost seeking vengeance in the Bahamas is a movie that is worthy of itself. Right. And then once you start introducing the aspect of, like, well, now there's all these snow babies and and Jack Frost can, re, uh, uh, can reproduce, it's sort of, it, it changes the whole dynamic of the movie. And so instead of focusing on one or two of those aspects, they try to focus on both of them. 
and they don't really do a good job in either one. No, Jack Frost. I mean, I guess he's like healing himself from the damage from. Well, no, he had already healed himself. He yeah. just kind of disappears. He yeah. just like they just don't show him and for while the little gremlin because snow babies. Yeah, so they just kind of overstayed their welcome. I'm here for yeah. Jack Frost. That's that's who I'm here for. That's the the cost of the ticket. Um, but I dug it, man. I actually recommend this movie heavily. I think the first one is a fucking camp masterpiece. Yes, it is. It, I fucking love the first Jack Frost. This one, I already understood going into it that it's not going to be that. I still dug it, though. Yeah. Give me more of the same. Like I said, I wish there was a three. I wish they would complete the trilogy. Maybe one day in an alternate universe uh, when we can truly trans-dimensional travel, we can get our... Uh, Jack Frost on the moon. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Moon-based Jack Frost. So I recommend it fully. It is a perfect... Like we were talking about earlier, between Halloween and Christmas, a lot of movies fit a certain uh-huh. bill. Right, right. This right. is perfect, man. You can yeah. watch it on either one. Yeah. I am going to give it an eight-day, seven-night cruise to a tropical locale as a review. Oh, nice. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Amenities paid for, too. It's, it's a nice little ride. It's not bad. It's a nice little ride. A little costly. You, you might regret it at the end, but, you know. You know. Yeah. Okay. I will give it one corn cob pipe and a button nose of murder. Oh, nice work. <laughs> nice way to fucking shoehorn the tagline in there, buddy. <laughs> well, yeah, that's all I've been watching, though, man. Uh, as i probably going to go finish out this holiday season on our next one, we'll probably have uh, the leftovers of all of our Christmas, yeah, yeah. holiday, New I- Year's shit going on i still have yet to watch the uh the charlie brown christmas i still have yet to watch the grinch which of course i watch every year i still have yet to watch uh the classic uh looney tunes cartoon um peace on earth goodwill towards men oh that's a doozy we'll definitely talk we have talked about before but bears repeating yes it does yes it does well, I guess in the meantime and in between time, whatever you choose to celebrate and or not celebrate, please be safe out there. Um, happiest of holidays, merriest of Christmases, Kwanzaa's, whatever it, whatever it is you got going Rosh on. Whatever you got going on, <laughs> whether it's religious, non-religious, as he says in Chappelle's show, from uh, me and mine to you and yours, uh, happiest of holidays. So um, on that note, man, MD3 signing out. And Marvelous Mike Dudley saying, go watch a movie. Talk about it over the holidays with someone you love. And also, ho, 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 ho.